And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Investment Property Income Podcast. As always, my name is Jeff Eady. Joining me today is my good friend. Um, at times I have to say my teacher. You're kind of like Yoda to me sometimes, sir. And uh, one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today? Jeff, I am fine today. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> like Yoda, I am. I'm awesome, Jeff. How about you? I am better now because I heard your half-assed Yoda impression. <laughs> I used my full ass for that, just so we're clear. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> oh, love it. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Thank you. Jedi you, went, you went Yoda. I had to answer. Jedi Master Tilger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so today, a uh, little more serious topic. I want to talk about and kind of dive into. So I guess I, I'll start where this conversation began for me, Jonathan. I was sitting uh, with a friend of mine last week and we started talking about retirement and pensions and stuff like that. And it was kind of a it wasn't an in-depth conversation, but he was kind of talking about his situation financially because you know, once you start to learn a few things, people want to talk to you about that stuff. And um, he owns his own home and he's, he doesn't have a pension. And he didn't realize the situation that he's in to be able to leverage his current property and start buying other properties. Now, he's, he's, he's hesitant to take that first step because he doesn't know what he doesn't know. But he's interested. So... In the spirit of letting people know what they don't know or helping them understand what they don't know, I wanted to talk about, first of all, the costs to buying a property. If you've, you know, let's say you've got a, a property you own, you want to leverage it, take out some money and buy another property, what the costs of that process are going to be. Then the five years following that, so it's going to be a little complicated. Thankfully, we actually do this in the presentation that you uh, you put together. So that's great. But um, and, and it's explained in the book, obviously, at, uh, at, our, at our website, investmentpropertyincomebook.com. But let's start with the, the, the first part of it, and then we'll take it all the way out looking at looking at it as a long term pension plan that you build yourself, I think is a good way to look at it. So let's begin with the process of I have a home. I have, let's say, 100K in equity I can take out especially a lot of places right now. And there's a couple of questions I'm going to have around that about the market. I hope you're ready for them, but let's start with what I need to do to get a hundred grand out right now. What's the best way to do it? Fastest way to do it. And what it's going to cost me. Uh, so, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> why are you laughing at me? <laughs> I'll just, I'll just say the, 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 the fastest way is probably not the best way. Cause if you call these, uh, what uh, these various the loan arranger exactly those types of things that's exactly what I was thinking of if you call that type of stuff they're like hey we can get you money in, in two days three days but they're going to charge you through the roof so that that's that's your that's the fastest probably not the best route unless you're in absolute desperate situation but really the the process is is you could look to refinance and it could be done one of two ways you could either just do a straight refinance upping your mortgage or you could add on a separate more a separate component like adding a line of credit onto your existing house. Which one's better? Really have to look at uh, 
for tax efficiency. If it's a if it's currently a rental property, I would probably just say get the mortgage. It's a lower uh, lower interest rate all around. If you're dealing with a situation depending on your mortgage breakage fees, of course. Exactly. If you're dealing with a situation where you're currently living in the house and it's your residence and you're looking to refinance that, pulling money out for investing, then keeping it as a line of credit or some separate uh, separate unit that you could document to CRA that this has been pulled out for investment for tax efficiency and, and overall lowering costs as a result, that's your best bet. Because borrowed money for investment, uh, the interest is write off. That's correct. I am learning so much. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's say you figured out nice and simple with a broker yep. that it's either going to be a HELOC or home equity line of credit or refinance to your principal residence. How much is that going to cost and how long does it take? Probably budget for in normal circumstances, I'd say a month. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, just because things are a little bit slower, probably give yourself about a month and a half to two months. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be faster, but I always like to give yourself the extra time. Under promise but, and over deliver. Yeah, but an anticipate probably at probably at minimum three weeks to a month. Okay. Okay. Uh, so so the, the cost of doing that, number one, as you mentioned, the breakage fee, understand what that is, understand what's that's, that's if we need to actually break your current mortgage, what's the cost going to be to do so? Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing to be aware of, uh, you may need to go through legal. So it might need a lawyer involved. If you're increasing the loan against your house, it's got to be re-registered. So you will, will have a legal fee to do so. Which Probably is $1,500. Uh, it's usually a little bit lower on a refinance, usually somewhere between 800 to 1200. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, then an appraisal. 300, 350. Exactly. There. Yeah. Around there. Okay. So budget for 1500 for the costs. Yes. Okay. That's that. Plus, plus the penalty. That one can be a big thing. So I always say, if you're not if sure, exactly. Yeah. If you're not sure, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. If you're not sure, I always say find that one out first because I hate going through, you do all the work and you find out, oh no, wait, right now is not the time because of the penalty. But the time to always consider this is when, you're, when your mortgage is coming due for renewal a few months before, that's the best time to look at it because now you can really get things restructured with no, without any additional cost for a penalty. Mm-hmm. I, I love having the conversations with people who, oh, I just, uh, we go through everything. Well, this is what they want to do, everything else. Okay, well, we need to look at your current mortgage and, and refinancing this. Well, I just renewed that two months ago. People can't see. I just, I just face palmed, just so you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if so if if you are coming due for renewal a few months before you do so that's that's the optimal time because you now you're not dealing with any breakage fees and really everything's available as opposed to okay now this is really our best bet because we avoid the penalties and a good spot on this uh, to kind of add to that maybe if you're looking at that interest rate differential differential and you want to lower your mortgage at the same like lower your mortgage rate at the same time as increasing it may be worth it to do it a barely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because yep. it may save you. Okay. See, you teach me so much, Yoda. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> welcome you are. <laughs> <laughs> Never noticed how much Yoda sounds like Kermit the Frog. Uh, 
anyhow, uh, we're never going to be taken seriously. Uh, humor without folly, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> we've been talking for too long. Okay, so we're looking at, uh, we'll say 1500 bucks plus or minus a breakage fee, which could be anything, really. That's, uh, that's hard to determine based on, on your current timing in your mortgage. Now you're looking at buying a new property. What? Okay, so I've got 100 grand. I need 20% down, but I actually need more than 100 grand, don't I, if, if it's going to be 500 grand? That's right, yes. Sorry, were my, was, it, was I just like too many numbers in my head? See, this is what happens in here. This is why you're the math guy, John. Yeah. So, so yeah. So if, 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 if you've got, if you've got a hundred grand, uh, you got to keep them, you're going to have, so the cost of buying the property, you're going to have your land transfer tax. That's probably one of the bigger costs in purchasing a property. Uh, so you want to make sure that that is over and above your down payment. Because with a, with a hundred grand, you're right. 20% down on investment property. So you're looking at a maximum price of 500. Mm -hmm. obviously make sure you've got the land transfer tax. In addition, you're going to have legal fees to close that property. Uh, you'll probably an appraisal fee. So those, those are really your costs. And that's where probably the legal fee, probably 1500 to 2000 appraisal fee, again, that 350 range for the appraisal and then your land transfer. And what's land transfer typically? Uh, if you're dealing with the 500 range, it's going to come in around 1%. It, it, it's on an, a sliding scale. Okay. where it's similar to, to the tax rate or just the income tax rate where the more money you make, as, the more you get screwed. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, the more, <laughs> so same thing, the, 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 high, the higher price you get, the percentage goes up. Uh-huh. I get that. Uh, and, uh. And, all, and also the other thing is if you're buying within the, the Toronto city limits, you're going to have the double land transfer because you got the, the Toronto land transfer tax as well. Now, does that, uh, does that happen if it's a condo or is that just if it's a home? It happens if it's a condo, home, you hmm. name it, it happens. Wow. Lucky you, Toronto. Uh, <laughs> okay. So that's basically it. You're looking at what? 8% to close. Is that a good number to set aside? Sorry, 8%? Yeah. Like closing costs. So like how much percentage of the house should you set aside for closing costs? 4%, 6%, 8%? Uh, it will probably be... I know well, it's interesting you say that because with CMHC, CMHC actually says you got to show one and a half percent, which at lower purchase prices will probably be that one and a half. If the purchase price goes up, then it will be higher, probably somewhere between two to four percent. Two to four percent. So on 500,000, if we're looking at, I want to highball everything under promise over deliver. Four uh, percent of $500,000. What are we looking at there? 20 grand? That's 20 grand, yeah. Okay, so you would need 120 grand to be able to buy a $500,000 house. It, it wouldn't be that high in 500,000 because the land transfer will be close. will probably be about the one to one and a half percent range there, your other, your other fees. So you'll probably so need, 10? yeah, another 10. Okay, okay. Well, that, that's reasonable. Yep. Uh, is there anything else that's going to need to be spent before they now have the house? Now, let's just say it's a perfect world and there's no renos that need to be done and no fixing up and the people who sold the house didn't, you know, tear out a wall before they left <laughs> let's uh let's say it's a perfect world there they've spent 110 grand they're in this house now they got a mortgage payment is that correct pretty much that's, that simple that's correct yes yeah. so the, the only the only cost at that point come down to what are your costs to get a tenant in mm -hmm. and that's where 
which is marketing exactly. So, I mean, you could hire a realtor to do that and they will generally charge you, I believe it's one, uh, one month rent for a one year term. That seems fair. If you're, if you're doing it yourself, then you just have to look uh, places to advertise what your advertising costs are. Which I would say in this spot, personally, I would rather give up a month of rent to a realtor to have it occupied than to waste a month or two or three trying to do it on your own. This, this is part of you got to understand your market and also understand that in the rental market, and I learned this from experience, that there are additional tenants who do not look through a realtor to find a property. So in actually advertising it on your own, there's a potential of finding some tenants you may not be able to get through a realtor. Okay. So, and, and that, that's where, especially you've got a good realtor who helps you buy it. I've always had good realtors who help me buy it. And they just say, hey, listen, I can put it up, but see if you can find someone on your own as well. And if you do, then they're not going to charge me anything, especially since they just closed the commission to purchase it. But mm-hmm. it, it definitely is good to have a good realtor on your, on your team as part of that. Or maybe negotiate as part of the, you know, help me buy it, that uh, you get me a tenant and we do this over and over again for several years in a row. Exactly, exactly. And, and, so, ha- <laughs> and so I know, I know there are some excellent realtors and that's a big part of their business is they've helped a lot of their tenants really build their own real estate portfolios and they help manage it and help and really look out for them. Okay. Uh, okay. So now you're in the place, you've got a tenant. Let's talk about your first five years because in investing, you can't talk about anything less than five years, truly. I mean, can you expect a cash flow to place at all in the first year? In some areas, but especially nowadays, generally speaking, no, you're going to, you'll probably be a little bit behind in the cash flow standpoint for your oh. first couple of years. So you, so do you need more money to go in? Is it a negative situation? Negative cash flow? It potent. I know a lot of uh, rentals nowadays, especially with the way the how the purchase prices have gone up uh, disproportionately to the rental rates. So there are many situations where there may be a cash shortfall for the first few years of owning the property. Yeah, especially in the last year or so. I know that a lot of the places that we're, we're going for, you know, 2400 a month are going for 1400 a month if you're looking at the major metro cores. But rents have definitely come up in the uh, suburban and rural areas to, uh, to, I would say, a lot higher than they should be, but Depends on who you're talking to. The landlords don't mind it. Um, <laughs> so you may need to set aside, I guess, like $100 a month, $200 a month. What what could that look like? I mean, I guess you really have to do the numbers, right? You really have to do the numbers and it really comes down to a property by property situation. And it has to make sense. That's exactly. Before, exactly. Before you buy it. So let's say you're breaking even year one. Yep. A year five, what's going on there? A year five, I mean... Assuming your rents have uh, have gone up at the standard rate rates of inflation, uh, which, which I mean, right now is what one and a half percent, something like that. It's 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 relatively low, but but one and a half percent over over five years. I mean, you're getting when you comp when you compound that, you're getting what seven seven and a half, probably about eight eight to nine percent growth in your rental in your rental income over that time period. Okay. Meanwhile, you're, you pay down the principal on, on the property. So you could either keep paying as you've been paying, or if you wanted to extend the amortization back out to increase your cash flow, then you could do that once your mortgage comes due as well. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Explain that one. <laughs> 
So let's just say when you buy the property, you get a 30-year amortization with the mortgage. At the, end of, at the end of five years, you mortgage, you now have a lower mortgage amount. And if let's assume that the rates haven't changed. So the rates haven't changed. You're, the payment you've been paying for the first five years would remain the same for the next five years. Mm-hmm. But it, you had the option where you could extend the amortization. When you come to renewal, you'd have to, it'd have to be structured as a refi, but you could extend the amortization back out to 30 years. Now that you're dealing with a lower principal amount, you would actually lower your required monthly payment. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. And plus you've already got the equity built up in there, but the equity doesn't really count against the money you have to repay. You still have to repay that money, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, So where are we at? We bought a $500,000 house. Yep. We put $110,000 into it. We've been breaking even on cash flow for the first year at five years. What's our, what's our cash? Okay. Well, how many components are there to this? How many ways are there that you're making money on this property? There's equity. Yep. There's. I, I, I look, I look what, what, what I love about, about rental properties. You really have three, three sources of making money. One is, one is the, I'll just say the, the rental, the rental surplus, which as we just discussed initially will be minimal or may not even be there at all. That's your cash but, flow that may or may not happen the first time. Exactly. But, but after you've owned it for, for several years between your rents increasing and your mortgage going away, mm-hmm. then that, that rental, the rental income you're making month over month increases. Okay. So the second thing is the appreciation of the property. That's your so equity that, building. That, that's, that's your <laughs> equity building through the, the value of the property going up. Oh, okay, because there's two types of equity building, right? Exactly, and then the then the third one. This this is what I always say is the hidden one that most people don't take into account, but ends up being a really significant one. And this goes back to the saying of what you owe today will be your net worth tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you you take whoa, out this whoa, property. Oh, whoa, whoa, that's a great quote. Where did you get that? I I believe that was actually from Robert Kiyosaki. And why didn't you say that in Yoda's voice? <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> You could tell from my luck I was about to do it. <laughs> so say that one again. I, I really like that line. So so the money, when it comes to real estate investing, the money you owe today will be your net worth tomorrow. Wow. So okay. So That's so cool. es- so essentially essentially you buy that that house five hundred thousand dollars. You owe four hundred on it. Mm-hmm. So right now, what's your net worth just looking at that property? A hundred thousand dollars. The equity. Plus forget about appre- forget about appreciation in the property. Yeah. Over time, you take a 25-year mortgage, over 25 years, that mortgage will be paid down to nothing. Mm-hmm. What have you just built up? You've just basically, through the cash flow that your tenant has been paying, that you're saying, well, it's not money going in my pocket. It's, it's going to pay the principal, the interest on the mortgage. But over time, that builds up. Where now you've built up $400,000 in equity just through the pay down and pay off of the mortgage, in addition to the growth in the property value. Which somebody else is doing. So you had to have that first hundred grand, but somebody else paid for the other four hundred grand. That's right. Yes. Okay. So that's your mortgage pay down. That's right. So that's one type of equity. So that that asset is owned outright by you at twenty five years. That's so you right. Everything properly and perfect, and the world just you know rainbows and unicorns. Yep. So at the end of uh, twenty five years. Well, sorry, let's let's do our numbers at the end of five years just to, to keep it close. And then we'll take it out to the far one because I don't I don't want to spend all day on this because I know there's a lot of numbers we can get into. 
But let's say, so we've got our mortgage pay down, we've got our appreciation, and we've got our existent slash non-existent cash flow, correct? That's right. <laughs> and then there are always going to be liabilities on that balance sheet, are there not? There will be, yes. Yes, which could be who knows how much. Well, you know, you're gonna have your property tax bill every single year. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have, you'll have some degree of maintenance of upkeep on the property. You'll have uh, always budget for let's let's just say one to two months every year that it may not be rented because let's just be between. Well, it may be rented, but between let's just say that the tenant stays for a year. Next year, you got to get a new tenant, so you might have a month where it's vacant, where mm -hmm. you can go in, get it cleaned repaint a few walls, all those things. Give yourself a little bit of time to find the next tenant. Plus you might have a, a cost to find the next tenant of a month's rent, as we discussed. So yearly, how much do you budget in for maintenance, vacancy, all that stuff? I usually I usually take about 10 to 15%. 10 to 15% of the, the uh, property value each year? The, the rent. The rent. Okay, 10 to 15% of the rent you're putting aside every month. Yep. For main. Okay. Okay. That's simple. Yep. So at the end of uh, five years, what's our liabilities look like? Let's start with that. So at the end of five years, so you start out with that $400,000 mortgage that's been paid down by, I mean, it will vary based on rate term, all these other things, but it will, uh, it We're will vary with liabilities here. <laughs> Let's it, it, talk it, about it, how much money you, you think at the end of five years, the cost is going to be for the maintenance, for the vacancy, all of that. What are you setting aside for, for that? So let, let, so let's assume we got a uh, $3,000 in rent. Yeah. So if we just say, let's Monthly. keep exactly. Okay. So, so let, 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 let's just say three, three, 300 bucks a year, th th 36, 3,600 a year. Oh, th 36,000 rent. So let's say yeah. 3,600 a year for that one there. Five years. We're looking at what about 15, but a little bit over 16, 17 grand. Okay. Okay. So our liabilities in five years is 16 or 17,000. So let's yep. go high and say it's 17. Yep. Yep. So our liabilities are outgoing is going to be $17,000, which it may not be all of that because we're budgeting for a worst case scenario, right? Yep. You could have a phenomenal tenant who stays in for the entire five years. So you have no missed rents, all those things. Yep. Okay. So worst case scenario, we're out 17 grand on that. What are we bringing in in that five-year time? And this is why I want to start the liabilities because let's 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 actually put this in the categories that it needs to go in because this is where I get excited. So, so th this is where, and as far as what's the property going to be worth? Mm -hmm. um, so let's use, and I like to be conservative on this. Let's use a three percent appreciation. Okay. We know we know that anyone who's seeing what's happening in real estate knows that three percent is not even close to what's been happening. Thirty-eight percent or something stupid out where yes. I am. <laughs> but but let let let's stick with three percent appreciation, and which is which is the long-term average since since everything started, since I started tracking stats in the nineteen forties. So that that house worth five hundred thousand dollars will appreciate and be worth about five hundred eighty thousand dollars. So you've about had about eighty thousand dollars in growth. So that is your 80 grand. That is your yep. equity. That's right. Yep. In, in addition, depending on rate and so forth, you'll have a little bit over $50,000 in principal pay down over those five years. So, so essentially it's about $130,000 of growth in your pocket, just in growth and equity over those five years. 
on a conservative basis. Now we minus the 17,000. Yep. Which leaves us with 113,000? 113, yeah. Hey, I'm mathing. Uh, <laughs> so $113,000 growth on a $100,000 investment. So you've more than doubled your money in five years. That's right. Wow. What's that look like at 25? <laughs> a little bit higher. <laughs> and, you know, in fairness, these are not in a perfect world numbers. These are very realistic, very conservative, overestimating the liabilities, underestimating the gains. Well, to, to, to give you an idea of the difference, if we were to use a 5% appreciation versus a 3%, that uh, 130 would have would be worth about 190. Wow. And your liabilities remain the same at 17,000. That's right. Yes. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> Sorry. I get excited. Uh, <laughs> this stuff, this fascinates me how, how this can grow this way. And this is truly, you know, there's lots of great investments out there, but I do love real estate because you get paid three ways. Everybody yeah. talks about cash flow, but it's not you the important one. You get paid three ways, and also it's got a stability in it that, that uh, you've got it something tangible, which a lot of other investments do not have. Yeah. Well, it's like buying actual gold or actual silver, real estate, <laughs> real property. Uh, what's the 25 look at? The 25 year forecast look like at, at, on one property? I had to ask 25. I, I've got 10, 20, and 30. All right, in front give of me, me so. 30. We talked about a 25-year amortization, although I guess they can go up to 30 now, right? Yeah, yeah. So again, keep it, keeping that 3% appreciation. So you'll have, with 20 years, you're looking at growth of about 675,000. And at 30, uh, about 1.2 million of additional equity growth. So that's your mortgage is paid down. So the 500 yep. grand, you just, there's no more in that. Now you're cash flowing 100% on the property. That's right. Your liabilities are still pretty much the same. Your liabilities never increase really. Yep. Well, and the, the beauty at that stage is once the mortgage is gone, now the cash flow on the property is phenomenal. So if you're looking and saying, well, what's my retirement plan? You own a few of these properties where the rent that today's 3,000, you know, in 20 years will pr probably be at least 4,000 or higher. Mm -hmm. If outside of property taxes and some of the things we talked about, if you say, well, let's, let's put aside, let's call it 20% of the rent, the rent coming in for those expenses. I mean, 3,200 bucks a month is, uh, is not too shabby off of one property just as a cash flow to live off of while the asset continues appreciating in value. Now, of course, there's some taxation that needs to be in included in there, but it's only at 50%, right? It's not the whole thing that gets taxed. You're, you're referencing the capital gains? The cash flow. The, 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 well, the cash flow is just taxed at whatever, whatever your marginal tax rate is. Oh, okay. So it's just treated as regular income. Yes, exactly. So basically, you have created a taxable pension for yourself at that point. Yes, so that's one property cash flow in at four or five grand a month, maybe at that point, 30 years down the road. Plus you have what? 1.2 million built up as an asset behind that. That's correct. And it costs a hundred grand. Yep. 110. 110. Yep. yep. Plus like 1500 to do the appraisal and register the new charge. Well, that, that was part of the, uh, that was part of the 10 grand in closing costs we accounted for. Oh yeah. 
okay. <laughs> wow. You know, you know, it's when you break it down that way, it's just easier to digest. Now, I know in the interest of time, we won't get into too crazy with this, but Jonathan, lay some more numbers on me. What if we had a second property? What if we went at the five-year mark? We've just made $113,000 in gains. We're going to refinance that property and buy another one. So we still have the same liability costs. We still have the same closing costs. We need 110. We can take out that because we know what we had in there in the first place. We've got two assets building at the same time now. How's that? How's that? I, well, I guess does that? It doesn't really set you back. It doubles your progress for the next five years, doesn't it? It does. Yes, exactly. Okay, so you're you're still where you were. You've just accelerated by double. Well, the, the, the only thing that slowed it down a little bit, if you refinance the initial property, is you've taken the equity out. So essentially, the equity has to rebuild in that property. But the equity still exists somewhere else. In exactly. All you're doing is you're taking it out. But that one property, if you look at that property in isolation, the numbers don't quite look the same because you've taken the equity, but put it somewhere else. But overall, now you've got two assets that are now both increasing. So at, it does... I, yeah, I guess it, it doesn't really slow that one down, though. It just shifts it over, and now you've doubled your compounding exactly, rates. Exactly, exactly. It, it just defers – well, you've just deferred some of the growth and, and put it into a, another property, and now the growth will accelerate so because you're increasing the leverage. For me, because I know you don't have them in front of you, and you're the math whiz. <laughs> So, so now you got to look, okay, what's it like five years out? If we assume that 130,000 with one property now, five years after that, you've got the 130 built up. You'll then have the growth of 130 plus an additional 130 for the two new properties. Mm -hmm. That's the five years. That's right. So you're looking at, uh, sorry, that's after 10 years at this yeah. point. Yeah. So now you're looking at just on that, the second property is 130. First property uh, at the 10 year mark would be what? The first property would be about uh, 280. Okay, so this is our 10-year mark. At five years, we refinanced, bought a second property. 10-year mark on, on the first property is 280. Yep. And on the second property is 130. Yeah. Obviously, we have our minuses. We'll take, so 130 and, and 280 is 380, $410,000 in 10 years. Minus... 17,000, 30,000, we'll say, in uh, liabilities. So you're looking at $370,000 in 10 years. Is yep. that number correct? Somewhere in there, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to vary when you get 10 years. There's so many variables going in that, uh, but yeah. So that, and, but that, that, that's a safe assessment there. Yes. Like to, yep. you know, we're in that ballpark. Exactly. And then let's go back out to that 30-year mark. What are we looking at there? Just give me a ballpark, Jonathan. 30 year mark uh yeah. you're pro you're you're probably looking at uh at what two million plus for sure two million plus and a cash flowing income of probably close to 10 grand a month yep given inflation and all of that stuff yep wow that and, and, is and, a heck of a pension and at that stage there and i just look and that that's where the most attractive part is because you've got the cash flow while the assets, you're basically, it, it's, it's like having a fruit tree. When you take an mm. apple off, when you take an apple off that fruit tree, the, the tree continues growing, it will continue producing fruit. Same with a rental property, having a tenant in there paying you rent, you're getting, you're getting the cash every single month. 
it, it is not depreciating the value of that property at all outside of obviously some some you'll have some maintenance and upkeep but outside of that it's not depreciating the value of that the asset see i think that's great because a lot of people are looking at rsps and turning them to rifts and lifts when they uh when they retire at 65 or, or give or take but at that point you're now drawing down your asset right it's always going to be a diminishing asset at that point yes exactly Whereas this is just going to continue to grow unless, of course, we hit a down market for a little bit, but it'll, you know, long term. So we're really talking about legacy and multi-generational wealth with just two properties. That's correct. Yes. Wow. Sorry, I had to let that one sit in for, <laughs> for just a second because I'm 42 years old. If I did this tomorrow, by the time I'm 72, I'm a multimillionaire with a $10,000 a month, give or take, pension. Yep. That's freaking amazing. Yep. <laughs> well, hey, man, there's a lot of people out there that do not have pensions, and they have no hope in heck for ever retiring. So this is actually something that, that's tangible. It's real. It definitely is. Anything you want to wrap this up with, Jonathan? Always a pleasure speaking with you, Jeff. You, re you really, you really called me out on numbers today, which you don't always do. So I appreciate when you do that. It's kind of, kind of fun talking numbers. Everyone listening, thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in. I hope my math was close enough on some of it. Uh, I have to and say, of course, and of course, Jeff. Always pleasure talking like Yoda. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a rare appearance from Jedi Master Yoda Tilger. Uh, thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining me today. And thank you for listening. If you want to get a hold of Jonathan, find out more about the investment property income system that he has worked out and uh, the long term plans that he can help you draw out. Feel free to shoot Jonathan an email at ipincome at a mortgageplan.com. That's ipincome at a mortgageplan.com. Of course, you can download the free book that Jonathan and I have co authored together. Uh, it's the Investment Property Income Book at investmentpropertyincomebook.com. Log in there, uh, grab the book for free. And then, of course, you'll have access to all of our podcast episodes. That's, of course, if you're already listening on one of the multitude of platforms that we are listed on, including Spotify, Google Play, and Amazon. Jonathan, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate learning from you every week. Have a fantastic day, and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Jeff.